0: Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. I want to continue today talking about that very important topic. How do you and I, as Christian believers, stay sane in a world that's crazy? I think all of us would have to acknowledge that we live in a very crazy time and in a very crazy world. We think about all this going on in our world today. We think about, for example, the turmoil and the strife that's in the Middle East and the war that's happening there, the war in the Ukraine and the threat of war all around us, the potential of a World War III that literally hangs over our head by threads. All the turmoil that we face here as a nation at home in the political realm and so many different aspects of the world that we're in right now. This is indeed a crazy time and this is a crazy world. It's not only crazy in terms of turmoil, it's crazy in terms of morality. For so long, there were certain things that we could count on as knowing that this was right and this was wrong. It was fairly clear in our world, but as we progressed as a culture, and I say actually progressed, it's more likely regressed as a culture. What's happened is we've moved beyond just morality to immorality to where we are today, and that's a morality. We almost have no morality at all. And whatever is right to you is right. And everybody defines truth in their own world. And so we think in those terms. So we're living in a world that has no standards by and large. And people are doing their own thing. And the world is a very, very crazy place. And I would say and submit to you that stress is at a very high level among people today. Not only among people out in the world around us, but among the people of God, and perhaps it's true in your life as well, that you have found yourself being stressed out. And I believe, in fact, as many are also saying, that all of these kinds of things that we're seeing point to the second coming of Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, when is Jesus coming back again? I don't know when Jesus is coming back again, but I do know that we are living in the last days. Because theologically, the last days began actually when Jesus ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, and He promised to come back again, and the last days began at that moment. And so, since His ascension, we've been living in the last days, and we're now living in, I believe, the last of the last days, and these may be the last of the last of the last days. I don't know for sure, but I can tell you that Jesus will come back again. And we're moving rapidly, and I believe aggressively, toward that time. And so we need to be prepared for this moment. You need to be prepared as a Christian for this moment. And the Apostle Paul wrote a very interesting statement to his protege, Timothy, that applies to us as well. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, when he said, mark this. Timothy, pay attention to this. Mark this. There will be what kind of times? Terrible times. When? in the last days. I think we should pause there for a moment and just think about that. Paul said, Timothy, you need to be aware of the fact that As the last days approach and we move to the last of the last days, there's an ever-increasing sense of terribleness. Actually, another word that's translated here is perilous times in the last days. The actual Greek word that's used here for terrible or perilous means to be violent or fierce. It was actually used of demoniacs, people who were demonized, demonized times in the last days, wild, difficult, grievous, hard to bear, or distressed times in the last days. There is no question that the return of Jesus is closer than it's ever been before. He is coming back. We do not know when he's coming back. It may be very soon. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. It may be a thousand years from now. We don't know, but we do know that the only thing holding him back is the fact that he's waiting for more and more to repent. He's waiting to give an opportunity for as many as possible to have their names recorded in the book of life. For the Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. So I would exhort you today, if you don't know Jesus, it's time to get to know him. It's time to give him your life and to have your name put in the book of life for eternity. His, his coming is only delayed by his love and by his concern and care for you and for me and for many That are still without faith in Christ. Now, I want to talk about this this faith, this expectation of Jesus coming, and how we are to approach terrible times in the last days. I am not of the camp that believes that we should sort of be the kind of folks that are looking forward to getting out of here. An escapism kind of faith. I can't wait for Jesus to come and rescue me from this terrible time that we're in. No, I don't think in those terms because I I don't believe that that's, that's what faith is really for. I believe that faith is designed for terrible times. I believe that faith is designed for the moments when we feel as though all hell is breaking loose around us in the midst of darkness. God wants to raise up a group of people who are lights in the midst of darkness, and that requires a certain kind of faith in the midst of terrible, perilous times. That's why Paul writes these words to the Thessalonian believers in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, now brothers and sisters, that's you and me that know Christ. About times and dates, thats the second coming of Jesus. We do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord, this is the second coming of Jesus, will come. Notice those words. Say those two words with me. It will come. Don't doubt it, it will come. And it will come like a thief in the night. Stop there for a moment. For the world that doesn't know Jesus, Jesus will appear, and his appearing will come like a thief in the night. No thief ever sends you advance notice of his robbery at your home. So Jesus says people are going to be taken by surprise because they're not anticipating this, and so the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying, peace and safety, everything's good with me. I'm not worried about the world or about a relationship with Christ because everything's good with me. Peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly, the Bible says, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You shouldn't be surprised at this coming as believers. You are all children of the light and children of the day. And then he says, We do not belong to the night. Or to the darkness, so then, please notice this culminating statement, so then let us not be like others who are asleep. They're going to be surprised by the coming, but instead let us be awake and sober. And so in this series of messages, it is my desire to make sure that we're all awake, and that we're all sober, that we as a church family and those of you who know Christ as Lord of your life, that you've come to that place where you've uh, awakened in your faith and you're sober in this moment, realizing that these are very serious and important times and that you have a faith that will carry you through whatever the terrible times might be. In fact, the Bible even predicts a time coming in the future, we don't know when it will actually be, called the Great Tribulation. Will believers be here during the Great Tribulation? There's a lot of speculation and different theories related to this and different theological positions, but it really doesn't matter. What matters is, do you have a faith that will carry you through? Are you sane in a crazy world? Do you have a saneness that comes from your faith in God? I want to talk today about one word that will help us to stay sane in a crazy world. I talked about one word last weekend. Does anyone remember the word that I talked about last weekend? Thank you. Last night at the 7 o'clock service last night, I asked the same question, and they could not give me an answer. Can you believe that, okay? If you know anyone that goes to the Saturday night service, you tell them, shame on you. You didn't know the answer, okay? Yes, I talked last weekend about reverence. If you're going to stay sane in a crazy world, you have to reverence. You have to reverence God. And you have to reverence His instructions. You have to re- reverence His rhythm of life. And if you missed that message, go back and, and listen to it. It's very important. Each of these messages are extremely important in, in, this, in this sequence of, of messages. The one word that I want to talk to you about today, and it's actually in the, in the uh, title of your message, and here's the word. It's the word release. Say it with me the primary word I want to talk to you about, or the concept that I want to talk to you about. Now, this idea of release, it's going to have a couple of different angles to it, and I will only be able to cover one angle today. I preached way too long last weekend, I promise you. I preached for about 50, 55 minutes. I'm only going to go to, for 49 this week, and so I'm cutting back. <laughs> I'm joking with you. I know know that I went long last week and I promised you I would not go as long this week. And so I'm going to hold that promise, uh, hold to that promise today. I'm basically going to give you one point today. I might give you another half point. I'm not sure. But you're going to get at least one point only today that's very clear. I want to talk to you about how to stay sane in a crazy world by learning something about release, learning how to release. And I'm going to give you another word because it goes with it. What is that word? Stress. Actually, I'm going to change this word just for a moment, and you'll understand why in just a bit. Distress. How do you release distress in your life? And so here's the primary thing that I want to talk about today that is vital to understanding this release process, because you'll never stay sane in a crazy world, unless you know how to deal with distress in your life. You'll never do it. So does the Bible give us any information or understanding about how to handle distress? How do we handle the stress that comes through the terrible times? Here's my primary point for you today, and that is this. You and I need to understand the difference between good and bad stress. This is where I want to camp today because oftentimes this is not talked about. We talk about stress from the negative side. I want to talk about it from the positive side just for a few moments. I want to help you to release the expectation that you're to live a stress-free life. A lot of us go through life with the expectation that our lives should be free of stress. And I want you to release that expectation today because it's an unrealistic expectation in your life. See, most people view stress as something negative, as something that is very, very bad. But actually, the Bible teaches something opposite to this. And psychologists and psychiatrists also agree with what the Bible teaches. They may not acknowledge that, but their research proves it to be the fact that not all stress is bad. Some stress is good stress. Actually, psychologists have a term to describe it. They call it E-U-stress, U-stress versus distress. You means good. It's a prefix that symbolizes or speaks of something that is actually good. And so the Bible teaches us and world life experiences teaches us that not all stress is bad. And we know this in the natural world. Let's take a, a look at a few examples of this just for a moment. Let's talk about this precious thing called a pearl. And this precious thing called a pearl is something that is generally formed in oysters. And it happens when an irritant finds its way into an oyster. It may be a little bit of sand. It might be a parasite. But something gets inside that oyster and it stresses the oyster. And the stress on the oyster causes that little little organism to produce certain kind of secretions that begin to circle around the parasite or around the grain of sand or that little irritant. And it begins to secrete these various hormones and chemicals. And over time, it forms this beautiful thing called a pearl. And so pearls would never be in our world without some stress next time you see an oyster, thank them, okay? (laughs) Because they produce something, but it only happens out of stress. Let's talk about diamonds for a moment. Diamonds are a girl's best, and they're a guy's fastest road to bankruptcy, okay? (laughs) That's how most guys start out their marriage, in debt. Okay, why? (laughs) I bought a diamond, okay? (laughs) Diamonds are formed underneath the earth with pressure and high temperatures, deep down in the earth where the carbon atoms are being pressurized. In fact, as I was studying this recently, I discovered that the atmospheric pressure upon in which a diamond is formed is thousands times more than the pressure we experience here on earth. Thousands of times more pressure than we ever know atmospherically here on earth. But what's happening below the earth when no one can see it is those carbon fiber or carbon atoms, I should say, are being pushed and pressed together until someone finally digs down and mines out this beautiful thing called a diamond and we hold it up and it sparkles in the sunlight with all the color and all the fire. Why? Because it went through the pressure. It was formed out of stress. Pearls are formed out of stress. Diamonds are formed out of Stress. Let's talk about building material just for a moment. Practically every structure that is built today has a steel framing to it. This building, if you see the columns around this worship center today or in the Frederick Worship Center, you'll see that they're made of, they're covered with drywall, but behind those columns you you could find solid steel. Steel is not dug out of the earth, steel is formed. And the way steel is formed is formed by iron ore combined with carbon and high heat and over the heat of pressurized heat that, that uh, those, those, those elements come together, iron ore and carbon, and the fire that's burning there tempers that process and causes an alloy or pulling together of those, uh, those, those substances. And we come out with something very strong that we're able to build buildings with that withstand hurricanes and high force winds and all kinds of things that happen in the world around us. Pearls come out of pressure. Diamonds are formed out of stress. Steel happens through fire. And what I want you to see is it's true for you and for me as well. That one of the things that we need to learn about our lives is that it is not good for our lives to be stress-free. It's not healthy for our lives to be stress-free. Because without a certain amount of stress in your life, without a certain amount of pressure in your life, without a certain amount of fire in your life... You're never going to reach your highest and best potential. It just will not happen. In fact, James the Apostle gives us very clear understanding of this in in his writing in James chapter 1. I'm reading for the message paraphrase. Listen to what it says. Let's just start with the first line there. Consider it a sheer gift. Now, when someone gives you a gift, it means it's valuable, it's good for you. something that they know will be a blessing in your life. Considered a sheer gift, friends, when notice this, when test and challenges come at you. Now most of us don't think of tests and challenges as a gift, right? We think of it as a curse. But now the Bible says, consider it, considered a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, from every direction, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. And so here James is saying, and by the way, James understood this because he had withstood some intense pressures of persecution himself in his own spiritual journey. So he says, consider sheer joy is a gift. Understand its value when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, because under pressure your your faith is able to come into the open. It's able to show its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Don't run from your stress. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So much we could talk about here, but I'm going to circle two words here. Well-developed and not deficient. If you spend your whole life trying to avoid stress and run from stress and think that stress is the worst thing in the world for you, here's what's going to happen to you. You will be underdeveloped and you'll be deficient in your life in some way. If you're always pushing stress away from you and you don't embrace stress the right way, it's going to be something that keeps you from developing into the person that God wants you to be and has designed you to be. It requires Trials and tests and challenges. Some pressure and heat along the way. And we make ourselves crazy. I talk to people all the time who are making themselves crazy by one misbelief they have in their mind and the misbelief is that life should always be smooth that life should always go well for me, that I should never have any stress in my life. And so when the least amount of stress shows up, they want to run away from it and get beyond it, and they don't realize that stress, if they will embrace it in a positive way, the right kind of stress, it can produce incredible benefits in our lives. Let me just throw some names out for you. Remember Abraham? Do you think he ever went through any stress? study his life. How about Joseph? Oh, Joseph was sold into slavery, was he not? The Old Testament Joseph, and he ends up in prison for something he never did. And so he goes through about 13 years of terrible trauma and pressure, but he comes out on the other side as a pearl, as a diamond, as the prime minister of Egypt. Why? Because all of that formed him and shaped him into the person God wanted him to be. How about David? David spent many years running from Saul, but ultimately he becomes the second king of Israel. How about the New Testament examples of this with Mary? Do you think Mary might have been just a tad bit stressed out when Gabriel came and said, you're going to have a son? And she says, I don't know a man. How am I going to have a child You're going to be the bearer of the Christ. Do you think that was just a little bit of stress for Mary as she thought about having to tell Joseph about this event that had happened in her life? And how about Joseph, her fiancé, when he finds out that she's with child? Do you think it was just a little bit of stress in Joseph's life? We could go on and on. How about Jesus himself? Oh, yes, on the... On the very night before he's crucified, he's feeling the pressure to such a degree that he's there in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass for me, but not my will. Yours be done. I'm going to walk through this difficult season and I am glad that he did, aren't you? Because he paid the price for my sin. He shed his blood so that I could be forgiven. And he rose to eternal, eternal life forever and ever and promised it to all who will believe in him. So here we see the value of stress. Now psychologists, as I mentioned, understand this. I'm going to give you a little diagram here today that help you to understand just the, the process of stress in your life. On this side, we have you stress, That's good stress. And on this side, we have distress. That's bad stress. So not all stress is bad stress. Got it? Notice there are two axis points here. Performance, that's how well you do or you, what you achieve in life, what you accomplish in life. And over here is stress level. And what I want you to see is this. As there is an increase, there's a, as, as stress increases to a certain point, your performance will increase. There is a, a direct correlation between the right amount, optimum amount of stress in your life getting to the point up here where I'm not sure what's happening to my thing again. This happened in the first service, so... You just have to take my word for it, okay? This board got stressed out, okay? So, <laughs> But what you see here is you see you reach a peak here at this particular point. When you're at high performance and the right amount of stress, and then there comes the point when the stress increases and your performance decreases. It's called a bell-shaped curve, and so because of this, we see that if you don't have a certain amount of stress in your life, you'll never reach your highest potential, and God knows how much you need to get to your best. He knows the temperature of the oven you need to be in and how long you need to be there to bring you out so you're not half baked, you're fully baked to be the person God intended for you to be. You see this in the story of the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. We see this amazing story of how the master is calling three of his servants and he says to them, to one, he says, I'm going to give you five talents, five bags of gold. To the second, he says, I'll give you two. To the third, when he says, I'll give you one, I'm going away. I want you to handle my affairs while I'm gone. I'm going to come back again. When he returns, the master calls the three together and to the one he'd given five, he had done something with the five that had been given to Him, the two he had multiplied it and doubled it, the one he did nothing with it. Jesus to the first who said, Well done, good and faithful servant, you've been faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. To the last one, he said, You wicked, lazy servant, here's what I want you to see. Do you believe with me today that when that First man given five had some stress on him to do something with what had been given to him, and did the guy with two have some stress on him to do something that had been given to him? And both of them embraced their stress. They reached their highest potential, and Jesus said, "Well done." And to the one that hid and said, "I don't want any stress in my life. <laughs> I don't want any stress. I'm just going to protect this so I don't have any stress." And he hid it away. He didn't lose it. But he did nothing with it. And because of that, some of the harshest words you'll ever find in the entire Bible, Jesus said, you wicked, lazy servant. And what did it have to do with the willingness to embrace an opportunity that included some stress in it? Dear ones, understand today that all stress isn't bad stress. You need some stress in your life, and God loves you so much. Are you ready for this? God loves you so much; that He's going to send some stress to your life. Okay, Amen. Okay, Amen. Okay. I'm not getting a whole bunch of clappers on this one. I'm telling you, okay. I think the holy people are clapping right now, okay. But some of you said, "I'm not sure. I want to clap on that one," okay. God loves you so much that he's going to send some stress. Why? Because he sees something in you that you don't see in you. He sees a pearl. He sees diamond. He sees steel. He sees something in you that you can't see in yourself. And so every time you run away, oh, it's too much stress. I'm going to run away from stress. What you're running away from is your development. What you're running away from is the growth that God has in store for your life. So I'm going to give you five things right now. And we're going to wrap this up today. I think they're going to be on the screen because my board's stressed out. <laughs> um, five things that we're going to look at together that will help you today to understand how to embrace stress. Are you ready for this? And to get rid, to release out of your life the expectation that your life has to be problem-free. You've got to get rid of that thought because that's not God's way of thinking. Here are the five things. Here's the first one. Put it up on the screen, if you will. first thing that's necessary, you've got to value new experiences, and you've got to be growth-focused. You've got to value new experiences in your life. You'll never grow if you don't do some new things. New challenges, new experiences, new adventures, because these things are the kind of things that produce some stress, yes, but they take your life to another level. We have people in the church who say, "Well, I really want to grow. I really want to grow in my spiritual life, but I, I don't know if I really want to go to one of those classes. I've never been to one before, and I'll be the new person there. and I'm not sure I'll be able to, to do. I'm not sure I'm spiritual enough to, to go to this class or that class. And so they they push it out of their life and out of their world because they're they're afraid, just like." The man with the one talent hid it in the earth because he was afraid. And so I don't want to embrace anything new. You know that your growth in your life, the very thing that might help you to become the person God intended for you to be, is to take the class that you need to take to go and get yourself engaged in a process you've never done before in your spiritual journey that will help you move to the next level. And is it fearful? Yes, it's going to be fearful. But is it productive? It will be productive for your life. And so you've got to value new experiences. You have to be growth-focused. If you're not growth-focused, I promise you, you're never going to grow. Here's the second thing that's necessary. I'm giving you five things that are essential for embracing stress, good stress in your life. You've got to welcome the discomfort that comes with growth. Every new thing that comes into your life, or every area of growth, every area of stress in your life is going to make you uncomfortable. You got to get you got to make friends with discomfort. Because if you don't make friends with discomfort, you'll never grow in your life. And so you're going to have to be uncomfortable. You can't get anywhere without it. Like a little child who's learning to walk. They're not very comfortable to begin with with the process, but they're encouraged to go ahead and risk it and take that step, and they step out of their comfort zone, and eventually they learn how to walk because they keep pressing past the comfort zone of life. There's so many of us that we draw this little circle around our world because it's our safe circle. And, oh, don't ask me to step out of that circle. I'll be uncomfortable. Oh, please, don't challenge me because comfortable right now and I don't like discomfort and God says I came along to mess with your comfort okay as it's been said of a good pastor he does the same okay he comforts the afflicted and he afflicts the comfortable amen okay And Jesus comes along and he comforts you when you're afflicted. But he afflicts you when you're comfortable to say, you know what, you need to expand your world. Discomfort is a part of growth in your life. I was thinking back on this as I was preparing this message. There's not a single thing that I have ever done in my life that has expanded my growth in my life that I was comfortable doing to begin with. Not a single thing. I look at all the things that I've done throughout my life and there's not a single thing that I've ever done that's caused my life to go to the next level that I was comfortable doing initially. I, was out, I had to step out. Not a single moment I said, oh, no problem, got that. I was thinking back on building this building 20-something years ago when we were planning this building. I thought, my goodness, the millions of dollars, how am I going to raise millions of dollars to build? There's no way that I can do that. But I felt the challenge of stepping out of a, you can believe I was way outside of my comfort zone, but aren't we glad we have this building today? Amen? Okay. And the same when we, we we bought the old an old Circuit City building up in Frederick that our Frederick campus is in today. I remember the day after the one o'clock service, I heard that that building was for sale and my wife and I got in our car and sped up to, to Frederick. We walked in and we saw this building and thought, this could be a church, but I don't know how to do this. How do we go about this process? And today, if you drive on 270 where it turns into 70, there at the main intersection, you'll see Church of the Redeemer Frederick Campus sitting there today. And there are things in your life right now that are waiting for you. They're waiting to be exploded in your life in a positive way, but you've got to be willing to embrace new and accept discomfort for your life. And here's the third thing that's necessary that you've got to do. You've got to upgrade your self-talk. You know what talks you out of most things in your life that related to your growth? It's not somebody else. You talk your own self out of it, don't you? Because you have a running dialogue in your brain that's going on all the time. You're always talking to yourself. I really couldn't do that. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough. I really couldn't do that. I couldn't expand this business beyond what it is now because I'm not really that smart or I don't have enough capital to do it or whatever the case. You just put yourself in that world. I I couldn't take that job because that job's beyond me. There's some of you sitting in this room that God has a professional upgrade for you. Are you hearing me today? I'm speaking this in the name of Jesus. God has a career professional upgrade for you. Noah, you can clap, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If you're going to get to it, you're going to have to step outside of your comfort zone and stop telling yourself you can't do it. Okay? You've got to change your self-talk. I'm going to show this to you in just a moment, but you have to change what you're saying Oh, I can't do it. I can never do that. This is impossible for me. I'm not that smart. And this is the dialogue or the monologue going on inside of you all the time. That needs to change so that you begin to speak what God says about you. Amen? What God's word says about you. And that's the next thing that you see here on the notes. The next one is this. You got to use your faith in God. Okay? Because you're not enough for the next level. I wasn't enough to build this building. I wasn't enough to to build the campus up in Frederick. I wasn't enough, but God is enough. Okay. And that's why we grab hold of verses like Philippians four thirteen. You you know it, I'm sure if you don't you, you need to learn it I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Not I can do all things but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and so the greater one lives in you. The greater one lives in me. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ so we do not need to be afraid of those things that pull us out of our comfort zone. Why? Because greater is he that is in me. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength all things that he would guide and lead me to do he will do, be there to help me to accomplish it and so I begin to speak and use my faith rather than my unbelief in my little world that I've created around myself and God says no I'm ready for you to break out of that little world that you've created for yourself and the last thing I'll give you today is you got to stay with the process Far too many people, please listen to me. I've watched it in people for a long time now. Far too many people give up when they're about that close to a breakthrough, okay? They can't see it, but they're that close to a breakthrough and they give up before the breakthrough comes because they quit too too soon, Okay? Now I'm not gonna say it's never too soon to quit because there are certain things you need to quit. Okay? Yes. If you're smoking, quit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you're drinking, I would suggest you quit, okay? And we don't have to argue about that theologically. I'm just telling you, that's my opinion, okay? There's certain things that would be good to quit. There's certain things in life that the season comes to an end and you should quit. There's this not Not everything is true, but there are things in life where God is pressing you forward in an area of your life that if you're not careful because of the pressure, you'll quit right before the breakthrough. As it's been said before, it's darkest before the dawn, okay? And sometimes in your world of expansion and growing and the stress that comes, it's very easy to say, you know what, this is just too much. I'm going to quit. This past July, my wife and I... Have celebrated our thirty-seventh year here as pastor of our church, and I'm just going to be—I don't. I'm not. It's not what I'm saying that for. Yeah, I I clap for you for putting up with me for thirty-seven. But thank you for for that. I don't didn't mean to diminish that, but I'm going to be very vulnerable with you today. Can I do that? Can I? It's okay. I can't count the numbers of times over the years that I thought about quitting. Because you think being a pastor is just about laying around all day reading your Bible and praying. You know you know what pastors work with? People. <laughs> Amen? And it's hard to believe, but not all Christians are nice. Isn't that amazing to consider not all Christians are nice? And actually, sometimes Christians are mean sometimes Christians don't like other Christians and I can't believe it but sometimes some of those Christians didn't like me can you believe that? I'm really nice I'm a nice guy but for some reason they didn't like me but it wasn't enough that they didn't like me they felt a burning desire to let me know why they didn't like me and the pressures and those kind of things that come and go I could have at points said, you know what? I'm just going to go do something else. I don't want to put up with the pressure. But I'm glad I didn't do that, okay? I'm glad I didn't do that. Because I use that as an illustration. Not, I'm not asking for pity for myself. Nor, please, if you don't like me, don't tell me, okay? Just, just <laughs> let me go and visit. I'm going to try to continue to be the best pastor I can until my time is over here, whatever time that is. That's whatever time that is. I don't have any plans on quitting, just so you know today, just to be aware of that. But the point I'm making is this. All of us get to those places in life when it's uh, it's too hard. It's just too hard. I can't go on anymore. I can't handle this anymore. And God's saying, just hold on a little. Just hold on a little longer. Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, you'll reap if you don't give up. So all I want to say to you today, we're done. We're not really done because there's a second half of this message that you need to get next week. And as I've told you before, anytime I do a two-part message in a larger series, if you only get one part of it, you're going to be warped. Okay, okay. So, you can't fly a plane without two wings. So, come back next week and let's get the second part. So, make sure you're here for the second part because I'm going to talk about distress next week. I talked about you stress this week. I'm going to talk about distress next week, okay? And how to handle it in our lives. But what I want, all I want to say to you today is release the expectation that life always has to be easy. Just let go of that, release it. Because you're making far more stress for yourself by believing that life has to go easy than the stress itself because sometimes life includes stress and the stress creates the pearl and it creates the diamond and it creates the steel amen would you bow your heads with me as we pray lord thank you for your word today i pray in the name of jesus that as the word has been shared that somehow i know that in this room today and watching online at our frederick campus i know that there are hundreds of people that they have a pearl in them right now, God. There's a diamond there. There's steel there, God. And the pressure that you've got them under right now or the stress that they're facing, it's a moment where you're forming something in them. And I pray that you would allow them to properly embrace the stress, to count it all joy and to realize they're going to come out on the other side of this more beautiful, more capable, more capable, more developed than they've ever been before. We trust you for this in Jesus' wonderful name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And You can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name,